0: another episode of Cherishing Scripture podcast, a podcast where you're changing society by Cherishing Scripture. My name is Zach. I am here today with Nathan and Pastor Bailey. How are you all doing? You're doing pretty Fabulous. good. Fabulous. Thank, Thank, you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, last episode, we began uh, to talk about the uh, New Testament Baptist Confession. Um, today, we're looking to dive into it. We're probably going to cover um, paragraphs by paragraphs uh, and talk about the ideas uh, that are found within those. Uh, so, Pastor Bailey, uh, as this is your writing, why don't you go ahead and start us out uh, yeah. with what the first couple of paragraphs talk about.
1: Yeah, you know, the uh, when, when we started really analyzing and and preparing this document, uh, one of the things that, that I at least purposed in my own uh, set of goals was uh, we did not want it to be um, overworded but we wanted it to be, in some cases, considered to be brief. It is 10,000 words, just a little over 10,000 words. And the real uh, nature of the New Testament Baptist Confession is in that opening paragraph. In accordance with God's Holy Spirit, we do hereby declare our allegiance and devotion to God's Holy Word and proclaim our intention to abide by the dictates of the Bible and preserve its doctrines for coming generations and all, the world's, uh, and all the world's benefit. We furthermore believe that the New Testament Baptist Church is the vehicle by which God expects his word to be disseminated throughout the nations. And so my thoughts behind that paragraph were uh, really simply that the church of today, especially the uh, Independent Fundamental Baptist Church has been hijacked by a group of personalities And we can't stand for that. We just absolutely cannot abide that. We have to stand up and say, wait a minute, this is the only vehicle that God has chosen on earth to get the gospel to the lost. And we cannot permit the church to be so desecrated and so destroyed. We have to stand up for it and take back what's been taken away from us. Uh, that was the spirit that Dr. Harold B. Seitler had in 1954 in Greenville, South Carolina, when he uh, stood up against some liberalism in, in the movement of his day. And, you know, really for lack of a better term, he put his foot down. And he said, no more. That's enough. I, we we'll, We will not give another inch. And that is exactly where we are today as New Testament Baptists. Uh, we're looking at the shenanigans, the scandals, the... False teachings and a host of other things that's going on among going on among independent Baptists, and we're saying that's enough of that. Yeah, we I, cannot continue. As, you know, Amos three three says, "How can two walk together except they be agreed?" And we're just not there anymore. We just can't abide the unscriptural teachings and behavior that's going on among some of those groups.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, I think uh, so far we've experienced a a common theme from people that are trying to cling to the old tradi- old tradition of the independent fundamental baptist as they like to claim that uh you doing this is just your way of you going left mm. and you going more liberal uh what would your response be to yeah, someone who believes
1: that you're going left no that, that's absolutely not true you know you you guys are in our church here and you have seen uh the uh you know the conservatism of brandon baptist tabernacle Uh, Our church still clings to the King James Version of the Bible. We believe that is God's word for English-speaking people. Uh, We still believe in a saved, baptized church body. Uh, We're still using hymn books, and there are churches that have gone away from that a long time ago. We still use hymn books. We still have traditional music. Um, All of that is true. Uh, What we're doing ironically you know they are trying to call us liberal but we're turning the tables on this thing and we're telling them no we're not the ones that have gone liberal Uh, independent fundamental baptists are the ones who have stepped over the line stepped out of the parameters of scripture and are uh, you know worshiping and operating uh, under a a very dangerous arrangement uh, that would be classified as phariseeism and most Cases if if any responsible Bible teacher was looking at this, they would say that's Phariseism in its in its worst way, and uh, so we're not liberal. That's not the case. Very conservative, uh, strict constructionist of Scripture, and we uh, we're firm on that.
2: Mm. And as you were talking, Colossians two came to my mind. I preached out of Colossians two a, a while ago when you were at camp. Yeah, but. Verse eight of Colossians two, it says, "Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ." Yeah, and that is exactly what's happened. That's exactly right to to the T. Yeah, traditions. And and,
1: you know, Paul goes on in that letter and talks about, uh, you know, people uh, people trying to, um, you know, bind you to holy days and bind you to. Uh, you know, to new moons and Sabbaths and things of that nature. he He really called them out and called that the legalism that it is. And uh, uh, that's similar to what we're doing here. It's time to uh, to call it what it is.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, and it uh, goes right along with what the second paragraph starts with. it says this. It says, we do also maintain that any religious order that departs from the teachings of scripture, can be and should be abandoned for the purpose of preserving pure doctrine yeah
1: yeah Uh, that that was a tough one this one did not come easy you know i really labored over these words and this one was not a uh uh, this this took a long time to settle that particular sentence in that particular paragraph in my mind because uh, it comes down to the issue of whether or not independent fundamental Baptists can be salvaged or whether or not they are obsolete and should be discarded because of their disregard of God's Word. And sadly, uh, you know, I think that most of them are the second. I think most of them have, been, have become so um, poisoned that now they're toxic themselves and uh, they're just inedible to the Church of the Living God. There's no there's no growth. There's no edification. There's no strength in them. Um, uh, if there is, what you discover is that it's situated around some human personality and not really God's word, which makes it even more dangerous, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, that, that statement, that that particular clause, um, you know, we we have to let the Bible be king. Right. We can't let personalities trump scripture. And if it uh, if anything starts reversing that, we have a decision to make. I genuinely believe that's that's uh, where we are.
0: Yeah, and um, like you said, unfortunately, that's that has become the case uh, in many places where they've changed doctrine to fit uh, their own needs yep. or their own preferences, and, and it becomes very dangerous.
1: There are brethren in this in this statement here. It says, there are brethren who are knotted in poor or unsubstantiated doctrines and or practices that are deteriorating into counterproductive associations and traditions. I really labored over that sentence mm-hmm. because we have those brothers. We have those sisters in independent fundamental Baptist churches that if they could be something else, they would be, but they don't know if there's anything else. And that's the alternative of the New Testament Baptist Confession. Uh, we don't want them to come out of independent Baptist churches and go left. That's what's happening, sadly. Uh, most of them are, are coming out of independent fundamental Baptist churches and going so liberal. And the reason why, it's not that that's fulfilling or or gratifying to them. The reason they're doing that is, quite frankly, because they do not see an alternative. They just honestly do not see it. And this is the alternative. I've had—I can't even remember—I've lost the count of how many preachers have told me if I knew there was something else, I would do it.
0: Yeah, and you do mention that a couple that paragraphs down, there are smaller organizations that would do something else if they knew that there was if something. They could, they would. Better, um, but to go back to what you said there, uh, talking about the brethren who are knotted in poor or unsubstantiated doctrines or practices, um, what are some examples of those that you have seen in the independent well, fundamental Baptist church?
1: If you go to the end of the confession, there's a plea. And uh, the plea all the way down at the end of the confession, uh, it reaches out to people of several age brackets. You know, some of those people are uh, are older, some of those people are Younger, Some of those people are, are parents. Some of those people are, are teenagers who don't know where to turn. And so when you look at that plea, uh, what it does is it reaches out to, for example, the parent of teenagers or the parents of teenagers or that appeal is what it's called. Um, these young people are, were some of the first to step up and say, this is nonsense. You know some of the standards that are trying to be enforced here uh, are absurd, unscriptural. And sadly, young people are some of the first ones to see that. And so the appeal is to the parents of those young people uh, who whose teenagers don't want to go to church. Their teenagers are saying, i just I'm not interested in this. I'm not edified by this. and they are uh, I heard you say one time, Zach, that uh, at a rate of ninety four percent they're leaving the church and that's not the bible's fault that's not uh... that's not god's fault that is because we have misrepresented scripture so horrific horrifically that young people feel that they're not getting the answers that they need so they're bailing out and then there are the older crowd uh... who knew doctor Seitler, who knew Mays jackson who knew uh... billy kelly who knew uh, you know, some, of the, some of the real giants, and, and not only were they giants, but they were gentlemen. Uh, you know, they, they knew these men. They respected these men. They loved B.R. Lakin. They loved men like Percy Ray, uh, some great, great giants of the faith. And so for them, watching this has been like death by a thousand cuts. They're watching one preacher after another massacre the gospel, destroy the Word of God, uh, and they're doing it all under the umbrella of independent fundamental Baptist information that is just being poured on people and is supposed to be absorbed and received. And what's happening is that people are not receiving it. Uh, they won't take it anymore. They're saying, look this is this is not scriptural and we're we're done with this. Hmm. And so there's an appeal that reaches out to uh, young preachers who uh, you know who really don't know what to do. Uh, their dreams are being, Scuttled on the rocks of, of independent fundamental Baptist casualties, and they don't know what to do. They don't, they don't know how to fulfill themselves with the calling that God has placed on their life. So we're reaching out to that whole group and we're saying to them, look, this is our chance to come together around God's word and say, here's the alternative. And that's what we're hoping the, uh, the effect will be. And it has had that effect. Of course, there's the old guard that is saying, you know, they're opposing it. They're resisting it. They're saying all kind of nasty and negative things about it. We knew that was going to happen. You know, I, I that did not surprise me in the least that there would be people who would do that. Uh, and so we're ignoring that, and we're reaching out to those people who know that there are issues and know that something can and should be done about it.
0: Yeah, and to what you said, if you look in your church, uh, I encourage anybody to look at your church. Uh, if you are in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement, Uh, Now, let me go ahead and uh, preface this with, I understand ours may be almost in the same statistic, but it's because we're still dealing with the young adults that we're dealing with are from the uh, previous pastor's leadership. Uh, So our real test will be our young adults, uh, our teens that go. But look in the average church. Um, I I know churches whose teenage group Uh, Is huge because they have a lot of parents in the church and stuff of that nature. Um, The adult group is massive, but the group you are missing is that twenty to thirty-year-old range, that eighteen to thirty-year-old range. Uh, It's a a scary, scary thing to think about. Uh, That's the church. That's not just the church of tomorrow, but that's the church of today. Yeah, and you don't even have ten people.
2: And you kind of mentioned about how there is such a big fallout of teens. And one thing, Brother Richard Rossiter, one of the writers of the confession, uh, he told this back in, in college to us. He he said, we have to teach the kids coming up why. We can't just give the blanket statement, you know, that this is true because I said so or because, right. you know, that's just what the Word of God says. That is, that's not going to get you anywhere. That's going to result in what we have today because yeah. that's the answer that's been given. And maybe because the pastors or, or the teachers who have been teaching this stuff, right. they're underqualified because they don't know what the Word of God has well, to say Well, you know, themselves. that brings
1: up the issue that you brought up earlier, Nathan, when we were talking about false prophets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm also convinced, and this is going to come across as very harsh, but I'm also convinced that many of the men, not all of them, but many of the independent fundamental Baptist uh, evangelists, even some pastors, I think they are died in the wool, false prophets, and they are misleading people at a level that almost makes it irretrievable um you know they're uh uh they it's it is the idea you know do as I say, you know do as I say and not as i do hmm. and uh and that has uh people are disenchanted with it they're not interested anymore. Uh, and and the reason why is that's not the gospel, you know. I mean, one of the things that I said here in the confession, uh, uh, you know, we're convinced that the gospel of Jesus Christ has been misrepresented, misunderstood, and misaligned or marginalized, I should say, in many independent Baptist churches. Uh, this is not just a preference issue. This is the gospel that's at stake. This is literally the the. The fundamentals of God's word that have been brought under the microscope and and are being abandoned by many independent fundamental Baptists. Only a false prophet would do that. I don't have I don't know what else to say. You know, right. I, I'd love to be able to cling to these men and say, well, they're good in their core, but only a false prophet would bring the deity, the lordship of Christ, under uh, such uh, such uh, you know speculation.
2: Uh, and uh, and such criticism and right. that's that's completely opposite to what Paul said he said if I or an angel presents the gospel wrong, yes, let sir. us be anathema let
1: him be anathema so does that what does that tell us? Does that mean we have to con- continue down the same road with that? No Paul says it is worthy of abandonment and that is where you know the confession comes from. You know, are we have we arrived at the juncture that this type of preaching and attitude and teaching and leadership is worthy of abandonment? And my hmm. answer is yes. I
0: think one of the biggest statements in this whole uh, confession is found within the first three paragraphs, uh, and I've read this through several times. Uh, and it's the statement at the end of paragraph three that says this confession is in defense of the gospel. Yes, sir. That's the whole goal here. That's and right.
1: Nothing more. It's not about personalities. We're not going to get back in the same ditch that they're in. Mm-hmm. We're not going to make this my personality against your personality or my conflict against your conflict. We're going to make this, you know, this is a gospel issue now. Um, you know, And I would rather somebody from within our ranks step up and say, wait a second, stop the madness. I would rather someone do that. Uh, whether it be me or whoever it is. You know, if God wants to move me off the scene and let someone more worthy take this baton, I'm fine with that. But the bottom line is somebody has to start blowing right. the
2: trumpet. That's good. Uh, another issue that I wanted to bring up is something I saw is the the tears among the wheat. And yeah. I know we're, we're like right there in our Sunday morning and Sunday night service. Yeah. We're going through chapter 13 in Matthew. And that's one of one of the parables that Jesus gives. And it's just it's so interesting to see these parables and when you look at it in the spiritual aspect and you just you look around the church and you're just like wow.
0: Angry. He that hath an ear. Yeah. yeah that I'm here.
1: Yeah. And that's uh that's a credential. That's a qualification. If you don't have the spiritual ear, the spiritual eye to see and to hear, then uh You know, you're none of his. I mean, that's pretty clear in Matthew 13. The kingdom parables are about the church. It's about the kingdom being represented in the world in the age that we're in, and uh, he made it abundantly clear that there are people that are tares among the wheat. Um, There's a a tree that has grown. The church is a tree that has grown, and all manner of birds are roosting in the, in the limbs and in the bowels of the tree. And so, um, it is true. That not everybody in the church is a born-again believer and if that is the case we have to ask where uh, where are the where's the greatest concentration of mixed multitudes and I believe that because of the mishandling of the gospel among independent Baptists that there's a greater concentration of counterfeits and tears among the wheat among fundamental Baptists
2: even behind the pulpit than there is in nearly any other denomination I know and could could we say that is because we have tried to clean people up on the outside before they got clean on the inside That's exactly
1: the problem. that's
2: exactly the problem uh, it's so external uh, and
1: man, this is opening a can of worms, guys, you know, but it's so external uh, it is so you know the emphasis is so superficial that uh, people are not even hearing the gospel. They're not even hearing, you need to trust Christ as your Savior and begin the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit of your li- in your life. They're not hearing that. They're hearing, come to our church. We will clean you up. And that this is not the words that they'll use, but the way that they present it is, you know, at its at its core, it is come to our church. We're going to get you cleaned up. We're going to get you on the right path, and we're going to make you make our church look
0: good. But that's still fleshly because think about it. Uh, they're saying these people are going to church and they're like, yeah, I go to this so-and-so church. Uh, I I wear long pants. I don't wear this. I don't wear that. I don't have any piercings. All all the ladies wear skirts and short sleeve shirts um, all the way up to the neck. Yep. I mean, it's just, they're literally, they're not saying you ask them, well, what is the Holy spirit done in your life? Well, I, I can tell you I've done this and I yep. wear pants and I, I do that. It's, Uh, We've mentioned this before, and you talked about it. People are relying, uh, they're banking their salvation on the things that they have, quote-unquote, tamed their flesh to do. That's all they're (laughs) banking their salvation on. I would
1: add to that also that they are are banking their salvation and their testimony on what they don't do and not what they do. So this is where Jesus is at with it. We have we have red words on this. This is not a, this is not ambiguous. Jesus emphasized what you do. Um, he that denieth himself and taketh up his cross and followeth me is worthy of me. If a man is not willing to do those things, he says that that man is not worthy of me. And so, uh, when when the scripture talks about these subjects of uh, abstaining from worldliness it always presents it in such a way that you abstain from that which is evil but what? you hold to that believe which is that. good and so what independent Baptists are doing is they're saying you're sanctified if you are abstaining enough but if you're not abstaining enough then they classify you as worldly or carnal or or something of that and nature correct that me if I'm wrong but a lot of loses its doctrinal a lot of your independent fundamental
0: Baptist preachers believe that you do the sanctification that's correct They don't believe it's the Holy Spirit.
1: And what is the image that they're pursuing? They're pursuing the standards of their pastor. They're pursuing the image of their pastor. I had a man tell me one time in a very candid conversation, here's what he said. He said, I believe that my people are an extension of me. I found that profoundly dangerous. Right. This is an independent fundamental Baptist pastor. And he said, I believe that my people are an extension of me. To which I want to ask, what about them being in the body of Christ? What about them resembling Christ? What about them observing the the, the teachings of the New Testament so that they can be Christians? You know, not Baileyites or Taylorites or Waterites or whatever, you know. <laughs> um, and, and, and this is another problem, you know. I mean, among independent fundamental Baptists, there have been ruckmanites and those people become became ruckmanites because they resembled peter ruckman what does
0: this remind you of well i'm of paul right i am of silas yep well i am of christ i am so. of
1: cephas and, it, and and it and it becomes a uh, a personality cult mm-hmm. and sadly i'm i'm afraid that that's where we are with independent fundamental baptists some good men are going to disagree. Look, we don't let's don't be ignorant here. There are going to be some good men who are going to disagree with this confession. All right, but it's time to cry aloud, to sound the trumpet, and to spare not. It's it's time to call it what it is and uh, and offer the alternative of uh, of of a balanced biblical church.
0: Yeah, that was very good. Yep, three paragraphs right on the dot, and at this rate, ten thousand words. It may take us a couple of weeks to get <laughs> uh, some through of this. this is, so. Some
1: of this we can fast forward through.
0: So, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely uh, educational for all of our uh, listeners out there. And, and once again, I'm going to encourage you to read it, uh, Pastor Bailey. If you would go ahead and tell them the website again. Yeah, it's New Testament Baptists com that's with an s newtestamentbaptist.com. dot com yeah and it has not only the confession on there uh, you go to the blogs you can go all the way down and read the confession lots but it of has good many many more uh, uh, pieces of articles that are yeah. very educational there's a
1: section there that we just started called youth truth and uh, and it is to it's to reach out to young people and give them some strong teaching you know some uh, some life saving teaching and help them to understand that their confidence needs to be in God's Word. So mm-hmm. there's that, there's uh, there's articles, there's confessions, there's a host of different things there, newtestamentbaptist.com.
0: Yeah, and it, um, like I said, just make sure you all go out and read. And look, uh, we're not telling you to be problem starters in churches, but truly look at your church and ask yourself, is there anything wrong with what we're doing? Uh, is there anything, not just with your church, but in the general sense, is there anything wrong with what the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement is doing? And and I believe that's ultimately uh, why we're doing this uh, podcast and this series and ultimately the confession is because we've seen obvious uh, problems with it. Um, And it's scary, truthfully. Uh, It's scary that uh, not just... uh, churches can't survive like this, first of all. And then second of all, that people are going to hell riding on a church pew. Yes, sir. Because they're clinging to traditions and standards that their pastors have set. That's right. And they don't have any form of a relationship. Mm. And I find that really frightening.
1: Very frightening. And
0: hopefully, in the process of these podcasts, we'll be able to talk even more about that subject. Yeah. Uh, And we have plenty to talk about. I was just scrolling through the website now and I was just reminded of uh, Brother Reagan's article on soul liberty. Oh, it's
1: it's that's tr- that is worth its weight in gold. I mean, that document by itself is worth a visit to the site.
0: So, Jimmy uh, Reagan. Yeah, guys, just go through, read, read them all. I encourage you; they're all good. Some of them are lengthy, uh, but uh, when you're dealing with something as heavy as this, uh, you need to put some words behind it. it doesn't need to be something that's just uh, short. Uh, so. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast where we are changing society by cherishing scripture.